everyone. Welcome to What Really Works, a mental health podcast for young adults and youth. In these podcasts, you can expect to hear us chat about mental health and provide well-being tips and tricks with the odd joke thrown in. What Really Works is brought to you by Discovery College, an initiative run by the Canadian Mental Health Association Kelowna, where lived and living experience and learned experience informs everything we do. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hello, what really works, listeners? Yeah, yeah. You mixed it up. Who are you? Well, because I was singing ahead of time, and then I was like, now I'm in the singing mood, and we've just dropped off 50 listeners, assuming that we even have 50 listeners. That might be a little bit of a. Did you just say, of course we have more than 50? We do. Our last episode is on like 90 listens. Is it? Yes. Well, shout out to you, not to all 90 of you. I hope that 50 of you haven't dropped off already. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. How are you, Becky? I'm good. I'm glad to be back. It's, um, for anyone who is like an avid listener will have probably realized that it's been a little bit longer than usual since we've released an episode. It's been a little bit longer than usual, yes. We've had some uh, recording issues, so it's nice to just be back recording. and Recording issues, life issues, you know, all those things. So we, all of it, all of, all of it. We took a little bit of, hi- of a hiatus, um, but you know, we're back and we're here and we are uh, podcasting and you know it's been a couple couple weeks so if we're rusty just uh just don't say anything and <laughs> <laughs> how are um, you oh you know um I was just updating Becky a little bit before we started the podcast and I'm doing okay I feel like every time I've come on the podcast for the last three months I've been like mm, I'm okay mm, I'm okay mm, I'm not okay mm, I'm okay um which is actually kind of perfect for what we're talking about today because we are going to be talking about how we don't take our own advice (laughs) yeah (laughs) or essentially I don't know we're going to be talking about I guess just mental health professionals in general but then a lot about ourselves in this one I'm sure um regarding yeah how we sometimes are really bad at taking our own advice and how mental health professionals at large can occasionally and probably more often than not be pretty bad at taking their own advice as well well and I think not even just like mental health professionals but like whether you're that parent telling your kid about like you know when they're like oh do what I do as I say not as I do or like you're that friend in that friendship group that see everyone's like oh you're the wise one you always come out with like the best pieces of advice or like the best suggestions but you don't ever do any of that yourself I think that's verbatim what people say to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah um one of my really good friends actually shout out Gabriella Willick made me a really super cute tote bag with a what really works logo on it And I was so stoked because we don't have any merch. How can we not have any merch? First of all, Becky, you need to get on that. You need to get us some merch. CMHA Kelowna, please get us some What Really Works merch. (laughs) I just know right now Jessica is rolling her eyes going, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so she like made me this really cute tote bag with our um, like podcast logo on it. And then there was this cute card on the inside. And as soon as I opened the card, it said, 
try taking some of your own advice or something like that. It was much, it was much sweeter than that. And a lot softer than that. But essentially it was like, you should try taking your own advice sometime, girlfriend. I'm like, "Mm, very fair. Very, very fair. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's what we're going to be talking about is how, how do we take our own advice? Yeah. And why do we not? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a big part of it. And as we go throughout this episode, I think it's important to, to say that First of all, advice is something that most of the time, especially when you're in a supportive relationship, whether you're a mental health professional, whether you're a friend, whether you're a family member that's supporting another person, advice is something that should always be provided only if it's asked for. So a couple of ways that you can go about actually seeing if someone wants advice is to just straight up ask them of, hey, what are you looking for right now? Are you looking for a listening ear? Or are you looking for someone to, you know, offer a suggestion? Are you looking for me to provide advice on this situation? Do you want me to explain what I would do in this situation? And then just see what the person says. That's how I always start it. And I think my partner has learned the hard way that because sometimes I will be going on about something or being like really stressed about something upset about something and sometimes they'll just come straight out with like well this is your problem this is how you solve it and I'm like that's not what I need right now right now I just need to run I need to cry whatever it is so like you say asking that question of like what is it that you need right now like do you want the solution or a possible solution or are you looking for something else Yeah. And I like the word that you use there with solution, because most often that's how advice feels, right? It feels as though you're taking a situation that is usually extremely complicated and also elicits, you know, some negative feelings or just a lot of confusing feelings in general, and then boiling it down to an answer, which is what we do on this podcast (laughs) every single day. Um, But nonetheless, We do it because we try to share tips and tricks and tools in a very open and vulnerable way, but also a way that folks that are listening, like you folks, can take and run with and apply to a lot of different situations or the specific topics that we're discussing. Um, But in general, I would say in those more supportive one-to-one conversations, advice can often feel like taking a complicated situation and boiling it down to, well, here's your solution. Now that you've kind of opened up to me and been vulnerable about what's been going on or you're venting about it well let's just forget all about this and here's what you need to do which can feel really invalidating for a lot of folks yeah and kind of also like takes away a bit of like that person's like power it's not very empowering is it for it to be like hey like I'm just gonna immediately provide you with like this answer rather than like support you to work out where you want to go with this and that kind of stuff Ooh, can you explore that a little bit more for us, Becky, when you say taking away somebody's power by providing advice? What do you mean by that? So it comes down to, I've been having a lot of conversations recently about enabling someone versus supporting someone and being a savior versus a supporter. So basically just a really important thing when we're supporting someone is recognizing that person's strengths um, and supporting them with those strengths and where they want to go and just the the recognition that that person is an expert in their own life um, and that we can support them with that not 
go in, do everything for this person that we think is the right thing to be doing without kind of involving that person, without that collaboration. Um, to the point that actually we're taking away that person's opportunities to grow or like work out what works for them um, and just doing it for ourselves really rather than actually supporting that person. Yeah, so one of the things that first comes to mind when you say that to me is actually a conversation that I was having with one of the youth that I was working with the other day. We were talking about boundaries and they were saying how they have a hard time saying no right? Classic kind of have a hard time saying no, and especially have a hard time saying no to folks that they are supporting, whether that be family, whether that be friends, um, saying no to those supportive conversations, saying no to requests, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that we ended up talking about was supporting versus enabling. So often what can happen is if we take on the role of being a person's support system, then we put a lot of burden, we can put a lot of burden on our shoulders, right? We can add a lot of weight to our, to ourselves in a way that rather than providing that person with opportunities for them to grow and continue to develop their own wellness practices and their own ways of caring for themselves and dealing with the hard situations in life, if we constantly are saying yes, and if we're constantly taking up that support role, especially in a way that doesn't maintain boundaries, and I would say that advice giving is questionable as far as its boundaries go, right? Advice can often be breaking those boundaries between two people. We actually are like taking away opportunities. Yeah, like I said, taking away opportunities for that person to kind of take control of their own wellness, where eventually we could be leading them down a path where we are robbing them of, of essentially their wellness. Was essentially making codependence a thing rather than independence a thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. In the sense of a person feels like they can't do something without you in every occasion and in every scenario. Whereas supporting someone is if that person's like, hey, look, I need help with this. I need support with this. You do and you empower them to kind of take that support and run with it how they need it. And that and hopefully that support evolves over time for like that independence, right? Versus that codependence and that codependence also comes back on us as the supposed supporter slash savior because we then depend on them to feel good about ourselves Ooh, <laughs> Ooh. I think you just got to the core of a lot of support work to be honest is depending on others and us saving others to feel good about ourselves, good in our character, good in the things that we're doing at work. And honestly, sometimes developing a bit of a savior complex and associating our identity with that instead of, oh, I'm just going to go on a rant now, instead of actually pursuing, you know, our, our passions and our values and instead just crafting this identity for ourselves that's based on, oh, I'm a support worker. Oh, I'm empathetic. Oh, I care about people. And then because that's how we've decided that we operate in the world, we then engage in every situation and every scenario at a workplace or maybe in our personal lives from that lens without actually 
understand without actually knowing if it's right in that moment and thinking about if it's right in that moment or if we are doing something like you say that's supporting or is it enabling or is it actually just overall making the situation worse for that person yeah and that is easier said than done because I have 100% been in that position oh, in the sense yeah, of like too. overstepping those boundaries to the point where I like fully burnt out and I've spoken about that before about burning myself out and you know I burnt myself out because I didn't listen to my own advice of like don't be an enabler don't be a savior like you're here to support a person and empower them not do everything for them oh yeah I did the same thing to be honest with not following my own advice and not creating those boundaries that I should have and actually it ended up with someone needing to go to the hospital because they weren't receiving the correct support that they should have been receiving. Instead, they were relying on me as a support person. And when I could no longer provide that support because I'd burnt myself out, they didn't have access to the appropriate resources that they should have had access to from the, in the first place, like a therapist or a trauma counselor or whatever it might've been. And then all of a sudden, when I had to step back, that person was left with with nobody essentially because I hadn't been responsible throughout the relationship in create in creating those boundaries and I hadn't been responsible in yeah kind of setting up the relationship in a way that actually is supportive rather than than not supportive to be honest yeah the other thing that it makes me think of um, this whole conversation is um, the idea of internal motivation and external motivation, where folks are usually more motivated by internal motivations. So that is seeing within ourselves, um, kind of identifying our goals, identifying our values, identifying the things that are very important to us, and using that internal drive as a motivation towards whatever it is that we're working on. So let's say, for example, that I am using substances. We can have all the external motivation in the world, like a support person, like um, groups that we might go to, you know, like our family or our friends saying that they want to see us do well, financial motivations, all of these external factors. But at the end of the day, one of the, the thing that is most important and helps folks the most actually is having that internal motivation to, to, to change that, right? To work on it, what it is that we want to work on. And yeah, I think that being a support person and we can often fall within the realm of, and we do fall within the realm of being an external motivator rather than an internal motivator, because we can't really decide for the person what is good for them. We can't decide for the person what they should do, even though often it comes across like that when we're saying it out loud to them, and especially if we're providing advice. But at the end of the day, the only thing that can really create lasting change is that motivation coming from inside. Yeah, inside the person. Yeah. So the topic of taking role and earn advice. Now we've given the descriptions of advice (laughs) what is advice how we should and shouldn't go about giving advice anyway as a bit of a background and why when it comes to people asking you for advice or suggestions or different like ideas would you say you're generally like okay I can roll with that I can provide some ask that again so like in the sense of like someone comes to you and be like hey I want to ask for advice from you mm-hmm. do you feel that's something you're generally like pretty capable of doing Ooh, you know that's a good question I would say that I'm definitely capable of it 
Although when I provide advice to people, even if they've asked for advice, I tend to kind of switch the conversation back to them providing their own advice for themselves, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. But I would say that that comes from years of being within peer support, where even when somebody is asking for advice, you kind of center that advice based on your own experiences and based on things that you've dealt with in the past and how you have handled it and what you did to handle it. But at the same time, then kind of switching that conversation again, back to centering it on the individual and their motivations and kind of sneakily getting them to create their own advice rather than provide it. Unless I'm talking to my friends, um, then sometimes with my friends, especially in a situation where I really see that they're struggling and I really sometimes feel as though I have the right answer, especially if it's like a situation that's been going on for a while when they ask me for advice and I'm like, oh baby, let me give it to you. Here it is. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever do it to yourself though? Give myself advice. Yeah. Or like accept it. I'm just even thinking of you talking about asking people out, really flipping it and being like, okay, like, what do you actually need? Do you ever do that for yourself? (sighs) Hmm. So this is a bit of an interesting question for me. So the What Really Works listeners and folks that have been listening for a while know that I identify as someone with lived and living experience, as someone with anxiety and depression and bipolar and, you know, just my own challenges. But recently, I've also transitioned to being a profession, a mental health professional. And I would say I kind of straddle this really weird world between providing advice to folks and like also, you know, acting in a professional capacity and being involved in the mental health world from a professional capacity, but also really needing my own support and the support of others to continue to live my life in wellness. So when it comes to following my own advice, I would say that when that when it comes down to it, I think that sometimes I can be either really bad at following my own advice or really good at following my own advice. And it, ascend, and it comes just from necessity. So when I'm doing really well in my wellness, I would say that I definitely don't follow my own advice because I'm doing well, right? So I'm not really focusing on the things that I need to do on a daily basis to continue to maintain my wellness. So I'm far less likely to continue to follow my own advice in those situations. However, because I do struggle with my own mental health, it's actually necessary for, this is dramatic, but realistic, it's necessary for my survival to follow my own advice. And when I say follow my own advice, it's really the advice of, of, me- of mental health professionals, right? Of the things that we know that keep us well, because it's something that I've needed to do and, and do need to do, yeah, right now and also, and also throughout my life. So yeah, I think sometimes, I think that I'm in a little bit of a different position than some folks that, that don't follow their own advice, because for me, it is like, it's absolutely necessary at times. And if I don't, then I know that I'll end up, you know, I'll end up doing really bad in my wellness and in, in situations that I don't want to be in and that I've been in, in the past. Yeah. What about you? Oh, I'm awful at it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because also like, I definitely, cause I've been feeling like not so wonderful, like mental healthly lately. I've definitely been trying to put into practice some of the things that you know we say all the time kind of around 
just like trying to focus on like looking after the basics and yeah self-compassion and that kind of stuff but when I'm just like feeling just pretty general or pretty good I'm awful at it (laughs) (laughs) the one thing that always comes to my mind is in like our workshops and like in conversations and all that kind of stuff all the time we're like you still need to practice your mental health and well-being tools when you are feeling well (laughs) oh yeah god I spit that one all the time and never follow it because like in the long run obviously it's better for our mental health like hopefully like we're maintaining uh mental health obviously things happen where like even you could be putting every support in place and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have wonderful mental health sadly that's just how like life works but it then does mean it's a lot more effort that I've got to put in when I start feeling worse because I'm like what are the things that work for me again what are the things I need to remind myself of kind of thing so I'm awful at that yeah and you know what initially when I when you were responding I kind of interrupted you a little bit there and I was like oh yeah I'm awful at doing that too which I think is sometimes the case like I was saying earlier where I am doing quite well in my wellness I'm not working on my wellness as much but I also think that you know as someone that honestly has been going down a a mental health journey for uh, like a couple years now I do I, I think I actually am being quite hard on myself right now in this conversation. I think that I follow my advice a little bit more than I think I do or a little bit more than I realize. And yeah, and often when I'm not doing, you know, well in my wellness or I am doing well, well in my wellness, I still am mostly doing a couple things that actively support me because if you do live with anxiety or a mental health challenge, there are things that you usually do on a daily basis that are supportive. Like I breathe when I get anxiety on a daily basis, regardless of feeling well or feeling unwell. Um, Spending time outdoors, regardless of feeling well or unwell is something that I do as well. So like following those pieces of advice, I would say that I'm good at where I start to really struggle and where I don't follow my own advice is when I am doing quite poorly in my wellness. So for example, one of the things that I struggle with the most as far as advice that I dish out is seeing mental health professionals. So when I know that I need to go and talk to someone, whether it be a peer support group, a counselor or a therapist, that is usually and has been in the past and continues to be a really, really big thing for me. And something that I really, really struggle doing, but also something that I suggest people do every single time we have conversations about what supports our wellness. Um, And actually, if I'm being honest, I would say that in a weird way, after becoming more involved in the mental health field, I have had a much, much, much harder time reaching out to support. And I think that is in part because now I work with and know lots of folks that are counselors and are therapists and do run support groups. And I often question the extent to which they follow their own advice. And I question the extent to which they, not necessarily that they don't know what they're talking about, but where their perspective is coming from and the lens in which they're coming from. Um, Especially because my discourse is based in that lived and living experience it is very, very difficult for me to wrap my mind around speaking to mental health professionals that don't have that same or similar lived and living experience, which is actually quite judgmental if you think about it, because 
you know, folks that don't have that similar lived and living experience still have really great things to say oftentimes and still have a different perspective that can be really helpful and really helpful wellness tools and supportive tools that I can carry forward and try at least. But for some reason, there's just been, yeah, like a, a lot larger block for me reaching out to those supports in the past couple of years. Yeah, I, I feel when you work in the mental, field, mental health field, it just in general, it becomes harder to reach out because you're like, oh, like I'm, I'm kind of familiar with like the processes and I know the like amount of energy that's going to have to go into this. Maybe there's certain places where you feel like you can't go because you work with or like collaborate with. And then when that has like that extra level of like, well, like I understand my own experience and I want to know that you actually understand that experience and come through from that lens, not just from like a book learning lens as well. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it's also, you know, there's a little bit of an element of, you know, when you when you've worked with a lot of professionals and a lot of professionals in different fields or the same fields or like different discourses, I should say within the mental health field. Um, yeah, I've had, uh, you know, some experiences that can make you a little distrusting. And that can be, I've had those experiences as both just a person that struggles with their mental health, and then now also as a mental health professional. And it makes sense, right? Because not everyone's perfect. We're all human. And at the end of the day, therapists and counselors and whoever it is that you're working with, they're human and they all have their own individual experiences and make mistakes and sometimes don't engage with us in the best way possible. At the end of the day, like it's humans working with other humans. So we can expect those things to, to happen. But when I can say all of this and think all of it about it in a logical way, when I'm talking to you and talking to the What Really Works listeners, but then when it actually comes down to making that jump, and seeking that support regardless of what we're speaking about because I know I need to that's a whole other ball game yeah well I think that's a big part as to why a lot of people don't take their own advice or their own suggestions at all is the fact that like you said like it's okay talking about it just as a situation but actually when it's real life in front of you and your life that's a whole different killer fish like if I'm just using examples to talk about things, I can probably come up with some great different suggestions and support when it's happening to me at the moment in time, like objectivity is really hard to have, like there's emotions involved and just like life and barriers and our energy level and whatever. It's so many things more involved when it comes to like actually is and implementing whatever it is that we're saying we, we should be doing. Yeah. And, you know, often it can just be so much easier to help others than help ourselves. Like you say, because we don't have that emotion. Well, we have emotional investment, but it's not the same type of emotional investment. And we're not feeling the effects of, of whatever it is of life, essentially, when we are reaching out for that support or when we are kind of engaging with our own wellness and our own selves. I think in part that is because when like when you're supporting someone and you're invested in supporting them it's a lot easier to see what you hope the long-term outcome of it is. Oh, Like, for example, like all the time we're like, oh, like, you know, see a mental health professional, maybe like, uh, is it, do you want to speak to someone kind of thing? 
and we're thinking of like the end result of that right like the end result of like getting things off our chest speaking through something in a safe space like that kind of stuff however when it's you as an individual you're not seeing that you're seeing that initial first step you're you're feeling that initial fear of like oh my goodness I have to speak to someone like even oh my goodness I have to pick up the phone and say hey I need support the, I think the perspective is flipped from like oh my goodness like this is the first thing like this is the first barrier I can see um or like this is the amount of energy that I'm gonna have to put into this like I don't feel motivated for this I don't feel like having a space in my life versus the outsider's perspective of well this is where you can get to like this is how you can grow kind of thing which I think is huge yeah that's a really good point it's like seeing the book versus seeing one page Mm. for sure yeah that's that's such a good point and you know often when you are supporting another person, you really have hope for them, right? You have, you have hope for what that person can achieve. You have hope for what that person is, is going to accomplish and, you know, the life path that they might take and what they, how they might be able to improve their wellness. But, you know, at least for, for myself, it's really hard to have hope in, in feeling better and working through the things that you, that you know, that you need to work through and that you want to work through, but whether or not you actually think that you'll be able to, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. And it takes a lot of strength to have the hope to do that. A lot of strength. Yeah. Do you, as a mental health professional, Becky ever, I don't know, feel, feel bad about yourself if you need to reach out for help because you feel as though oh, I should know this like I'm the one that tells people what they should do I'm the one that kind of provides support to others so that's actually a really interesting question and it's actually something I've been working on relatively more recently mm. because I watched a video by Brene Brown who we love around she asked a question of like based around what you're saying of like do you not like to ask for help because of like the way it makes you feel? Yeah. And then she was like, if you won't ask for help, that means you are judging the people who are asking for your help. Oof. Um, and it really hit a, a nerve because I'm like, oh, I'm one of those people where I'm like, oh, I can just do it all on my own. It's fine. Me too. My whole nine to five is around trying to support people, right? And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, okay. That's something I need to work on. I need to work on being okay asking for help. It's still hard though. I don't like it, but I'm trying to be like more open to it in the sense of like asking for help isn't like a failure on my behalf. Actually asking for help is a huge thing. And I was also just thinking about like, how do I, I quite often when I like speak to the people that like we work with and support, and they like tell their stories and stuff like that. I'm like, that sounds like, ama- like amazing, like how that journey of how you've like grown and how you have all these amazing skills. And I'm here trying to educate people. I'm doing none of this. I'm like, I actually, I need to be in it. Yeah. I need to be putting in the work to actually be able to support people. And <laughs> I need to actually be okay asking for help to be able to mm-hmm. support people. So I've been trying, but then I kind of had a semi- I wouldn't say it was a negative experience but I wouldn't say it was a great experience I was speaking to a, like a, a doctor and I just felt like I'd been brushed off speaking about like mental health and I was like oh like this is our experience like one of the experiences that people talk about of like going their first experience of being going to the GP and the GP being like 
it's fine or just do this or like that's not my area and just just exercise Mm -hmm. yeah and just kind of being a bit like well what do I do with this now and I was like oh now I also like understand the experience of like I tried and it sucked and do I really want to push myself to do it again with somebody else with the anxiety of well what if that happens again and I'm just knocking on doors hoping that someone's going to be like oh yeah you found the right place kind of thing yeah yeah and it's such a real experience for so many people right like yourself included of actually taking that massive 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 step and asking for help and then receiving no help which makes it even harder to reach out a second time, even harder to reach out a third time, even harder to reach out a fourth time. And unfortunately, with the way that our our care is these days, or I would say just still, often you do need to ask four or five, six times before you receive the help that you actually need. Yeah. Which then also makes it really hard in us taking our own advice when we so frequently hear that story because it's like, oh, like, do I want to put myself through this? And that might, it might not even be the experience. You could be incredibly fortunate. And the first person you speak to is like, hey, let's sit, let's talk. Like, I'm here for you. Obviously, that's the dream scenario, but that isn't always the, the case, sadly. And just the fact that we, we know that is a huge barrier in me wanting to take my own advice because I'm like, oh, do I want to go through that? Like, it's hard. It is. One of the things that I wanted to mention as I was listening to you speak, or I guess answering my own question that I asked you regarding, you know, feeling, feeling bad about myself if I'm not doing well in my wellness. One of the things that you and I will talk about all of the time and say all of the time is that our wellness fluctuates, right? It constantly is going up and it's going down. And especially if you're an individual that lives with a mental health challenge, you know, we know that that wellness will continue to go up and down throughout our whole lives. It'll be something that we deal with for, you know, for, for our life. And the work that I do is based on that very idea, right? It's based on the idea that, yep, I have a mental health challenge. And yep, you know, we've, I identify with some folks that, that have been through some similar things. And and that's how I provide my support is based on that common experience. The common experience of sometimes feeling well and sometimes feeling really not well, Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because now when I feel unwell, I feel as though I'm not doing my job or that like I'm not good enough to be in my job, especially because for so many people and so many people out there that are in peer support or are a person with lived and living experience that is like for me, at least speaking from my own experience, been fortunate enough to to be able to use that life experience in their in their professional career. Man, there feels like a lot of pressure to maintain wellness. Mm hmm even though that's not the, not the idea at all, right? The whole idea is that we're acknowledging that wellness can't be maintained. We're acknowledging that the very people that have trouble, not even trouble with their wellness, but you know, have, have those challenges and have that lived and living experience that it happens. And because it happens to us, that's what makes us the expert in, in that care. And, but still, as soon as it happens to me, I'm like, okay, like then, you know, why aren't you better? Why aren't you doing better? You're supposed to be one of the people with lived and living experience that's doing well in their wellness. That's a lot of pressure to put yourself under. Oh, it's so much pressure. And it's ridiculous because it goes against exactly what it is that I'm like trying to do. Right. It goes against everything that I believe in and everything that I say all of the time of 
it's, it's important to have those lows and it's important to recognize that we have those lows and we have those highs. And I think one of the things that makes me good at my job is having those lows. But then when I have them, oh boy, do I reject it. And oh boy, do I feel so bad about myself for not being able to maintain a level of wellness that makes me feel as though I'm good enough to do my job. I feel like that, yeah. Because I, I do feel like, especially within the mental health world, or just like generally, like people are very much like put on this like spotlight of like, oh, this person has lived and living experience and that like the working for is like amazing. Like, look how amazing this person. Look how well doing. they're doing. Yeah. And then we highlight stories, right? We highlight stories of folks of like, look where they came from and look at where they are now. Well, like think about the pressure that that puts on that person. Like, yes, it's a celebration, an amazing celebration and recognition of how hard it is to move past certain things in our life. But at the same time, or at least from my experience, it's a celebration, but at the same time, it can also feel like a really intense expectation. Yeah, for you to be this person to like look up to and like prove that you can overcome this like they make it hours it's like that you just have to overcome this like one obstacle and then huzzah like and now you're the poster boy for mental wellness and yeah. recovering right you're the poster boy for recovery and we always say recovery is a continual process and mm. we, you know it's just we go up and down in our recovery as well but then for whatever reason as soon as yeah as soon as I'm not doing well in that wellness or I'm not doing whatever it is that I've convinced myself that I need to be able to do, then, yep, I'm immediately like, okay, well, who do you think you are being a mental health professional now? Because you don't have control over yourself and you're not doing the things that, that you know that you should be doing. And you're not, yeah, you're not living up to my own expectations, but then it also sometimes feels like the expectations of others. Yeah. Which is rough. So yeah, it's complicated sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) well I think I think that's even part of it of this the whole like oh it's so hard to take your own advice because when we provide suggestions we provide such a simplified version of what it is to do it yeah so like and we always like quite often say that oh it's all easier said than done but sometimes it's just kind of like a throwaway comment like oh this is all easier said than done oh it's a total throwaway comment 100 percent, because we're just acknowledging that you know even though we're saying this of course it's hard to implement but we already know that we know it's hard to implement (laughs) but I think that's why it's also so hard to take your own advice because it's like it's easy to dish out like a couple of sentences or whatever and like support someone here and there but then actually putting all of the energy that is needed to go into that to support yourself throughout all of that is really really difficult I even yeah. had a I had a um, an experience relatively recently which was I ended up being like I need to go back and listen to one of our podcast episodes because this is exactly what it's about and it's about ending a relationship oh I, I just listened to that one too <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Who are you ending a relationship with? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm you. joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no. Are we both going to end the relationship with each other? Is that what it is? Well, hopefully not. Anyway, someone that I had like met at like a market um, and then like met up a couple of times. And then I, it just was clear to me that we're just on different pages of like belief systems yeah. to the point where like our interactions just weren't ever going to like match up I knew I was never really going to leave feeling great yeah after having a conversation with that person so I was like okay 
like I need to I initially tried to set a boundary and then that person was like well this is what my boundary is and like this is where this is coming from and it was like a good conversation like but it was over text and the reality is I was just like I just want to ghost this person now (laughs) I was like I kind of said my initial piece I was hoping that they were like fine whatever never speak to me again they didn't because I tried to set, like I was attempting to set a boundary in like a healthy way so under, like understandably they felt like they you know it was going to be an ongoing conversation which is fine but then after like a couple I was just like god I just want to ghost you like I'm just done with this like I'm tired like this is hard work I don't want to think about this anymore I kind of want to pretend none of this has ever happened because that would be so much easier right yep I was like, I need to go listen to that Ending Relationships podcast because I know the reality is, is there's still some things I probably should say to make it clear rather than just not speaking to this person ever again and leaving them. um, Because maybe I wasn't clear on the time before that. And that's why kind of thing. Maybe I need to be more direct. But it's just that whole like, this is actually far more mental and emotional energy than... I want to put in right now. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. I mean, sometimes no matter how much we want to do the right thing, we don't do the right thing because it's too hard to do the right thing. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's so hard. I feel like all of the what really works. Well, I hope that the what really works listeners still have a little bit of advice on us, although I don't know how that's going to work out after this episode. Well, I, I, know, f- I think, you know, one of the important, you can go ahead if you'd like. I think you're going to say exactly what I was going to say. So go for well, it. Were you going to say that one of the important parts about talking about this is recognizing that we don't follow our own advice and then trying to work on that? Well, that and it's just the fact that we're two real human beings. Sometimes it's really, really annoying listening to a person who's like, you just need to do this. So I think it is important for us to also be like, we are real people too. And we have fair bit of knowledge within mental health and mental health tools but that doesn't mean we find it easy to just like throw out a tool every once in a while and go like I'm a-okay now in fact we might even find it like more difficult for ourselves like we've talked about throughout the podcast because of the the field that we find ourselves in now I sometimes the like my thing is is you know especially within my role is providing like mental health education so sharing a lot of general tools around mental health right yeah so that means the last thing I want to do after presenting all day and like doing workshops all day is go home and do those things oh yeah a hundred percent I'm like I'm done I've spoken about all day Mm -hmm. I don't do general mental health education anymore but I can relate to you in the fact that all day I have supportive conversations All day, I listen to, you know, the things that people are really struggling with. And I love it. I love every second of it. But when I come home, I am so drained from supporting others and having those conversations with others that having those conversations with myself, even internally, and like thinking about my own wellness and the things that I need to do for my wellness, or even having conversations with the people in my life that support me, like my partner or my friends, or a counselor when I finally decide that I'm going to go to one because I I need to go to one. Um, But my peer support group, you know, I do not want to talk about how I'm doing. Like people will ask me be like, Oh, Liv, you know, like, what's up kind of thing you mentioned the other day that like, you know, you're having a hard time with XYZ. Do you want to talk about it? Nope. And now every time someone asks me, do you want to talk about it? Nope, 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 definitely don't. And it's because I've, you know, just being engaged in that in that space 
all day that I just don't want to reopen that space because even listening, being a supportive, a support for others, especially when I'm doing it from the lens of my own lived and living experience, I'm kind of bringing up my own stuff all open all day anyway, even if I'm not talking about the way I feel about it. I mean, sometimes I am. I'm still kind of opening up those wounds or being vulnerable, right? So then the last thing I want to do when I get home and I'm talking about myself to my supporters is continue to open that up and continue to be vulnerable about it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when, you know, one thing that people talk about all the time when it comes to supporting your mental health is like logging out of work. Yeah. And like having boundaries at work. And then it's really difficult when your work is around like mental health and support like substance use like ways that we cope all that kind of stuff so then you're like okay I need to log out work which is like I need to log out of the mental health world and support and then it's like ah actually for me to support myself although technically it's not logging back into the work world it's so like aligned with it that it's hard to not feel like it's work yeah 100% so what do we do (laughs) What kind of advice are we going to provide ourselves and the What Really Works listeners now for not following advice that we will attempt to to provide, to follow? (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I do feel like helps, and I will be very honest in saying that I actually do this, and I did it a couple times this week with a couple different things, is accountability buddies. Um, Accountability buddies, we've talked about it on this podcast before, I believe is essentially somebody that is a support for you or somebody that, that you know that you can trust and be vulnerable to, keeping you accountable in a way that is respectful, in a way that acknowledges your boundaries and supports your boundaries for the things that you need to do. So actually, I spoke to my partner maybe a week ago or a couple of days ago and was like, hey, I'm having a really hard time going to counseling, but I know that I need to go to counseling. Like I know that I need to go speak to a trauma therapist because what really works listeners, I'm really having trouble with some um, like abuse trauma and I don't know a lot about it. It's not an area that I'm, that I'm super familiar in within my, my own knowledge and my own experiences. And it's something new for me. And I really need to go and see someone about it. And I'm having such a hard time taking that step. It's such a hard time taking that step. And I'm still having a really hard time with it, regardless of reaching out to my accountability buddy. So anyway, I told my partner like, Hey, this is something that I'm struggling with, but it's something that I really, really want to do. If you could please just give me a gentle reminder every like couple of days around like, hey, have you made that appointment yet? Or like, hey, have you done more research into making that appointment? Whatever it might look like, set those boundaries with how I wanted to be communicated with. And he reminded me a couple of days ago. He said, hey, have you made that appointment yet? And I just completely brushed it off. But that's the whole point of an accountability buddy is that conversation will, you know, continue to be brought up, hopefully. And eventually, hopefully, I will follow through, right, with those with those gentle reminders from the people that I care about. And I actually asked Becky to do the same thing. So I have a couple people that are reminding me right now yeah. that I need to go and make an appointment. But the problem is, is we said we'd make a similar deal with each other. So the reason why I haven't texted you is because I'm deep down like, oh, but if I text Olivia asking if she's booked a session, she's going to ask me if I have, and I haven't. So. <laughs> Well, then maybe it's not. Well, yeah, Becky and I were trying to be mutual accountability buddies because we both want to go talk to a professional about things. 
Um, so I was like, hey, I'll text you and see if you have gone to see somebody and you text me to see if you if I've gone to see somebody and neither of us have texted each other because we both are uh, are avoiding our, our own selves and our own wellness. Um, so maybe you should have another accountability buddy other than me because I have a couple for this situation. I feel like it is worth, if possible, like if that's something someone feels comfortable with having, like maybe like two, because also like you're also relying on the fact that that person's like going to remember as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, my thing is, I mine's very similar in the sense of like what's most useful to me is like an accountability buddy and I need things that are immediate. So that's what my, is a big thing for me is if I can't do something immediately like take the first step of it immediately that's it like out of mind because as soon as it'll come into my head I'm like oh I should do this if I can do something really small towards it like pretty quickly that's like a great way for me to get started so that's why now that more things are online I'm finding that far more helpful for myself and mine is like also telling someone that's like what I'm hoping to do so for example like I told my partner like I'm gonna try and like speak to like a doctor this is my my like what I'm hoping to do but then he was like great just let me know what I can do to be helpful or whatever um and the fact that I told him I was like oh like I, I should actually do this now like it's real kind of thing it's out there in the ether it's not just in my mind like I said it out verbally yeah which I think sometimes can be just like a huge thing even just like saying it out loud sometimes makes it feel a little bit more real and then and sometimes makes it, for me makes it feel a little bit more worthwhile like and a little bit more valid um rather than like oh it's just this thing that's going on in my mind and then so like that helps me go follow through with my doctor's appointment because I was like well I've told Joe I'm gonna do it and I booked it online like there and then because I was like that's nice if I had to call a doctor I wouldn't have spoken to anyone by now I can tell you that 100% if I had to call or email if if I can just like literally click a button I'm golden so anyone who's making any kind of mental health resources think about that (laughs) think about that please and then I was like I'm not gonna cancel it I think I that I was like on borderline decided to cancel it but then I was like no my partner knows like this is what I'm doing so I know the support's gonna be there like when it's finished so now's your chance really kind of thing like is there going to be a better time? No, not really. Like, it, I mean, is there ever a good time to do things? But if that's a big part of it for me is like, you say like seeing it out loud, doing it in a way, hopefully that's immediate, that first step um, and having someone check in about it. The other thing that I'm hearing in this is that it kind of aligns with your personality too, right? Because you're a fairly competitive person. I would say that you're like fairly competitive with yourself. So thinking about your personality and thinking about the things that are important to you, maybe implement some things that that align with that. So with you saying that you told your partner about what was going on, I know that competitive high expectations for herself, Becky will be like, Oh, well, I've told someone that I'm going to do this. So I have to do it now because I don't want to let, because I don't want to let them down and I don't want to let myself down. Um, which is something that, that I'm doing right now because I am taking a little bit of a break from a substance that I had been using and I told a bunch of people about it and now that I told a bunch of people about it I'm like Olivia you better do it now because everyone's looking at you everyone's gonna see if you're gonna do it and if you can do it and maybe that's not the most supportive strategy um or maybe not the most like harm reduction based strategy but I know that it's the best Olivia reduction based strategy because I'm very competitive and I also have lots of high expectations for myself so you know 
10 people knowing that I'm trying to do this will definitely motivate me to try to do it more, which I know is going to support my wellness in the long term. Thus far. Yeah. So I guess the advice for our not following advice podcast, or at least in this specific part is, yeah, maybe even if it's not maybe the most like cookie cutter strategy that you'll hear us or other mental health professionals talk about, if it works for you, And if it's actually going to get you to do what you've been talking about, and if it's actually going to hopefully make some, some strives towards increased wellness, then just try to do it. Yeah. You do you. You do you. We were going to go into, uh, this is all apparently a thing. So this whole not taking your own advice thing, it's called the Solomon paradox. And we were going to talk about that in the podcast. It's one's ability to reason more sensibly about someone else's problems than one's own, which makes so much sense. Of course, it's so much easier to reason about someone else's problems because we don't have the same emotional investment in someone else's problems than we do in our own. Like we can be the most empathetic person in the entire world, but we still don't know what it's like for that person to feel the feelings that they're feeling. We can't feel it for them. So yeah, I, I totally understand why the Solomon's paradox exists. That makes sense. And that even just makes sense in the sense of like that perspective taking that we were talking about before of, and maybe this is also something that might actually help me now I think about it when it comes to taking me own advice or starting something that will hopefully be good for me is I immediately think like, what if? Yeah. I'm like, what if this bad thing happens? Or like, what if I'm really bad at it? What if I go and no one speaks to me? That's the classic of Becky. What if I fail at that? What if it goes really bad? Like, what if I hurt someone's feelings? Like all this kind of stuff. Um, What if it makes me feel worse? Yeah. But the opposite what if is also possible. I just never think of it. Oh, no, because we never think of the positives. Of course not. But it's like... You know, what if I go and I make loads of really great friends? What if I try it and I love it? What if I go and that person has such a supportive response to me? Those are all options. What if the situation actually goes well? It's funny how we always think of all of the negative what ifs, but none of the positive what ifs. Yeah. So maybe that's even something when I'm busy going like, oh my goodness, what if this happens? I need to think, well, the, the opposite is also possible. Yeah. Like the negative isn't the only possible outcome of this. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that would be super supportive for me <laughs> because I, uh, yeah, I'm really good at just like circling the negatives for sure. So, <laughs> but you know what? I mean, if, if you feel as though that's something that you can implement, like we said before, what works for you works for you. And if that's going to be a supportive strategy to help you moving forward, then I think that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. The other thing that we had down here, probably before we close out, is you had something about wise mind. Sure. Like, I will, again, this is something where it's like, if someone wants to try it out, roll with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but wise mind is a, it's a DBT technique. Um, so for people who aren't familiar with DBT, that is dialectical behavior therapy. And basically what it is at the end of the day is it's linking together that like objective mind with the emotion mind and then hopefully coming together in the middle. So, you know, in the emotion mind, that might be where I'm thinking about like, I'm so terrified to do this, like, like that kind of stuff. But then the objective mind is maybe thinking about like, what would an outsider's perspective be? What are the facts right here, right now of it? And the idea of wise mind is you go in between so it's like, what is the happy medium between these? What's 
what's me looking at the facts but also bringing in my emotions so that I can work out where I want to go next because if we only ever look at things objectively then we that's not healthy for our emotions because those emotions still exist we can't pretend that they don't exist yeah but then also sometimes if we only ever go with our emotions then that can either like hold us back or maybe we might not respond to something in the way that we would like to um kind of thing so the idea is you hopefully bring them together and find like a bit of a middle ground that like suits both of those needs at the same time that was a really great explanation of wise mind thank you you're welcome yeah an example that we often use is about like going to the dentist and we're like scared of going to the dentist so like obviously the emotion mind side of that is being very fearful and like the what ifs the anxiety of it and then the objective might mind might be like well if I look at it factually like it's just a routine checkup I've actually never had something bad happen to me there before I'm just like very scared about it that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to happen so you've got to bring it in the middle it's like okay like how do I support myself to go to the dentist if I still want to like okay like maybe it's calling the dentist in advance and being like hey look I'm really nervous about this and that may and creating a bit of a support plan kind of thing that would be your like wise mind in the middle oh yeah well I'm gonna need to practice that because I'm either all the way in the emotional mind or all the way in the rational mind oh yeah bringing it towards the middle is definitely a challenge but I can see it being something that's quite supportive as well my problem is I like stick in the rational mind and then all of a sudden, all those emotions that have been building up in that circle, like the emotion mind, just like suddenly pop. And I'm like out of control. That's also what happens when we don't take our own advice and we're not uh, <laughs> not taking care of our wellness. Uh, well, this was, I actually thoroughly enjoyed this topic. So thanks for thinking of this one, Becky. Um, this was This was nice for me to talk about, actually. I hadn't really talked to anyone about you know, my feelings around being a mental health professional, but also someone that struggles with their mental health. So I don't think I've really opened up to anyone about uh, how hard it is for me to, to go to counseling or go to therapy and stuff, especially after, after, like I was talking about earlier, getting into this field. So yeah, it was actually really nice for me to be able to talk to someone about it. So I appreciate it. And I appreciate you what really works listeners as well for listening to me and allowing me to vent. Yeah, no, I appreciate this conversation a lot. I feel like I'm gonna, maybe, maybe I'll have a bit of motivation at the end of this. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The M word motivation. Yeah. All right. What really works listeners. We, I've definitely missed you, uh, missed uh, chatting with you too, Becky. Please, please, please please, please send us suggestions and recommendations of what you all like us to chat about and what you would like us to, uh, yeah, you know, provide some advice on. (laughs) Uh, Maybe not so much advice. I don't think all of our conversations are rooted in advice. I think they're mostly rooted in our experiences and some tools and tips that we can provide. But nonetheless, we would love to hear from you. We would really love to hear from you all and uh, hang in there. Yeah. And for if you're wondering how to get in touch with us, you can do so through email at discovery.college at cmha.bc.ca. Or you can go to the Discovery College website, discoverycollegecolona.com and go into podcast. And there is a suggestion box right there on the page. You can also write a comment easily in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever it is, just write a comment right on there. Like just, just do it right now. Just right now. Click that, 
click that five stars if you want to. Yeah, that would be far more easier <laughs> to just do it on whatever you're listening to right now. All right. Well, anyways, peace out, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks again for listening to us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, you can follow us or subscribe to What Really Works. To find more from Discovery College, go to discoverycollegecolona.com. And thanks again to Staple Studio in supporting us to produce this podcast.